We are going to build a wall. Don't worry about it. And hey, wait, uh, wait a minute. And who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the wall? Who's going to pay for the wall? Despite the then presidential candidate's promise, he may or may not build a wall. But it seems all but certain Mexico isn't paying for it. But what that obedient crowd didn't realize as they were chanting Mexico's name was that it wasn't wall money, but a World Cup favor that the U.S. would badly need from Mexico. Undefeated in nine games of qualifying, a win or draw against Honduras in their final game would have sealed the U.S.'s World Cup berth. But with their qualification already assured, Mexico gave away a 1-0 lead and a 2-1 lead and allowed Honduras a 3-2 victory, which didn't end up granting Honduras a spot in the World Cup, but did successfully block out the United States. Karma's a bitch. Before you can be the best team in the world, you need first to be best in your neighborhood. After two decades of flip-flopping the top spot in CONCACAF with the United States, Mexico is once again firmly on top. But contrasting the U.S.'s erratic and unpredictable World Cup performances, Mexico has been nothing, if not consistent. They've made it out of the group in their last six World Cup appearances, but with six losses in the round of 16 to show for it. Will this be the year Mexico can finally break through and make their mark on the world stage, or will they be relegated to being a big fish in a small pond? This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Mexico. States know football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. I was wondering how long into the episode before we started making wall references. And it was the opening. Right at the beginning. I mean, it how... Uh, zero seconds. How many World Cup teams are, do have crowds chanting their name at presidential rallies? <laughs> I mean, I assume in the World Cup country that happens... Yeah, you know, definitely. That, that like in in Mexico, they probably chant Mexico all the time, though I guess they'd be chanting like Mexico. Yeah. But yeah. You know, I mean, you, we you could, chant USA. I mean, that's a big thing. Both the, I think the Republicans had it for a while, but I think the Democrats sort of tried to steal it back. Right. I mean, if you were to just listen to just the chanting part without the context, it, it actually sounds like pro Mexico chanting. It really does. And in fact, it is funny. I mean, the Democrats don't really chant Mexico. So if you didn't know anything, but you're listening to the crowd chanting Mexico, 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 you'd be like, wow, these are the Republicans are so they love our neighbors so much. The next time the Mexican team, Mexican national team plays the U.S., they should pipe that in. (laughs) (laughs) These are your own conservative voters. Yeah. Chanting our country's name. Yeah, they love it. They love us. I mean, 
look, I, I, it'll be interesting to see where you fall in this episode. But like, in order to be pro resistance, we almost have to. You have to be pro Mexico. Yeah, I mean, look, it 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 does make the most sense from an anti-Trump standpoint because, like, what better way to stick it to Trump? Not that he cares about soccer. No, not that he does at all. And uh, man, I was. Uh, but if Mexico could win like the Ryder Cup, that'd be great. I know it doesn't work like that, but still. It doesn't work like that. They, they're unfortunate. I think uh, in the President's Cup, they may or may not. I'm not sure if they're on the the international team or maybe the, it's the North American team. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, all that aside, Joe, let's get to the drink because I am, I'm very excited for this. Uh, here we've got Superfan Sean, of course, picks our drinks every week. He says, one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, four. Nobody has ever had a good night that involved a, a tequila shot. In Hamburg, I had tequila, and the bartender kept banging on about organic glass blowing procedures. It was not an interesting conversation, but it has to be tequila. The most famous tequila cocktail is the margarita. An alternative cocktail option is the Paloma. I guess that uh, that glass blowing thing was a bit of a non sequitur, but there, the drink is tequila or margarita. <laughs> what are you drinking, Joe? Dan, I got a nice big shot of tequila right here. Wow. Well, due to uh, In- computer issues, we, I don't, we don't have video. So we, we really, you and I are like the podcast listeners. This is a pure audio medium to us. Well, this is, this is imported, made in Mexico. It says, Echo in Mexico, right on here. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I remember when we were in Mexico, not doing the Mexico episode, but looking for Guaro, in addition to not being able to find Guaro, you would go to the, the liquor stores, especially the one for tourists, and it would just be walls and walls of different types of tequila. I mean, just hundreds of different varieties of it. It was, it was uh, very overwhelming. I mean, it, it's very clear that tequila is, I, I mean, I don't know how much of it is just the touristy thing. Tourists assume tequila is a Mexican thing, so they mm-hmm. have varieties, or how much of it is that Mexicans really do consume tons of tequila, but they're obviously producing lots of different varieties of it. I don't know the answer to that, but I certainly know that they are not drinking guaro. <laughs> and they've never heard of guaro. <laughs> they, they've, they've never heard of it. They don't drink it and uh, think it's ridiculous that they would have it. Dan, what and are you it, drinking? It's offensive to even <laughs> It is, quite. So, Joe, quite. I have in front of me, which you can't see, I went to the store today and I was about to buy some triple sec and some tequila, but I thought, you know what, Joe? Why do all that work? I bought a nice 750 milliliter thing of laughing glass, all natural, low calorie margarita. Low calorie. Oh, nice. I said. Nice. So they have pre made so it just- with Blanco Agave tequila, triple sec, and all natural flavors, Joe, coming in at 24 proof. So I'm just going to crack this baby open. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Now, Should are I... you drinking that over ice or just just straight out of the can? Bottle, whatever. I'm pouring it into a glass. I decided not to salt the rim of my glass. Let's give that a taste. Laughing glass. I mean, what a name. How, how hilarious is that, Joe? It's fantastic. Mmm. Oh, yeah. That's what tequila tastes like. Wow, that's a fabulous drink. If I were making my own, I would have put in significantly more tequila. But 
That, that's they're not targeting at my crowd. They're targeting at the average <laughs> alcohol consumer. And uh, yeah, very good. What, it's not too sweet. This is. I think they what really. Percent, what percent alcohol do you think that the margarita, a Dan margarita, a Dan classic? How how much? What percent alcohol is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, what tequila is eighty proof, so that's forty yep. percent. And triple sec is I don't know. Triple sec is like ten percent or something, or maybe uh-huh. less than that. Maybe five percent. So, you know, I really like mostly tequila, a little splash of triple sec, and then you've got the, the ice melting. So, yeah, it's probably coming out over 20% easily. I mean, it, there's no way it would be less than 20%. So it would be about probably, I mean, the one I'm drinking now is 12%. So it would be uh, at least twice as strong as this. But, but And Dan, would you consider yourself a big tequila? Like, like, do you, in your average cocktail making, do you use tequila a lot? Now, uh, this question is actually why, when I was at the store, I decided not to buy the tequila, because I hate tequila, and I just thought, <laughs> in my liquor cabinet, you know, I'm, like, building up a bunch of things, but actually, you know, I had some Aquavit the other day, when I just wanted a little uh, drink with dinner, but not too much, just like, you know, the, you don't have to crack open a bottle of wine, you just have, pour out the Aquavit, obviously that, the, that Polish vodka is great. But tequila, like, what am I going to do with 750 milliliters of tequila? When am I ever going to want to drink that? So that's why I thought this was a great idea. I, I get this thing. I don't need any triple sec and tequila, you know, wasting space in my liquor cabinet. It's true. You know, and the reason why I asked that is I, I kind of had a, had a hunch that that was the case because even when we're in Mexico, we almost exclusively drink rum in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I, I just do have experiences with tequila. Now, I don't think tequila is, um, I think tequila tastes okay. You know, it's not, if I had to do a shot of things, I wouldn't put it towards the top, but I would rather have a shot of tequila than a shot of other things. Um, but, you know, and, and there is, I, I remember at your wedding specifically, you had um, a very nice bottle of tequila, you know, not the like mm-hmm. shit you buy at the store, but a nice like aged sipping tequila. And I think that's kind of a whole different uh, type of, of situation. I think the tequila that actually is not just the swill that needs to be mixed with stuff, but the stuff you can actually sip and um, sort of taste. I don't even know what the proper flavors are, but it, it's certainly a different thing. You know, that's another story. But, but it, you know, if I were going to do that, I'd rather drink, you know, whiskey or something. No, I actually remember that, that tequila and it almost tasted like a whiskey. Like it was like barrel aged. It was, yeah, no, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then I remember um, you had said that you weren't going to drink before your wedding, but then you guys did drink before the wedding. But I, as a as a groomsman, but at the time, I don't think we had the, the podcasting report we have now. I wasn't included in this. So you guys were just drinking without me. Oh, that's messed up, man. Yeah, that you did that, Joe. And I've never forgotten it. <laughs> well, Well, you know... If for no other reason, I'm glad we did this podcast because it's allowed you to like, you know, get this off your chest. Yeah, I'm feeling much more at ease. And, and Joe, <laughs> uh, before we get into Mexico, uh, let's, let's uh, clear the deck a little bit. We've got an email from superfan, Peruvian superfan Fernando, who wants to talk about our Peru episode. He says, hi, guys, I just finished listening to the last episode, and I may be a little bit biased here, but it was definitely your best episode. Joe, I agree, Fernando. Made my day by picking Peru to advance for the next round. Also, get this, Joe. 
Fernando lives in the Bay Area, and he says if we ever want to go to a good Peruvian restaurant and get some Pisco Sours to let him know. He wants to have a, a podcast meetup in uh, San Francisco. I'm in. I do want to go to a good Peruvian restaurant. If we could coordinate it, because Tony is coming to the uh, the Bay Area at some point uh, in a few months. You're coming soon. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely podcast guest Marcelo. I'm definitely going to watch, go to the bar and watch some Brazil games. So maybe, uh, Fernando, we can, when Peru's playing, go hit up the bar and watch those games. This could, this could, uh, you know, this could really develop into something. I... I'm in it just for the Inca Cola. Oh, man. Get some Inca dogs. That would be getting a look. Fernando, obviously, uh, is going to have the, the Inca Cola hookup. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know he has cases of that stuff in his house. Yeah. Oh, man. It's good stuff. Now, Joe, do you have uh, any, any business before we uh, get into this Mexico episode? I have some personal feedback, actually. Well, let's hear it. What do you got? Personal as in feedback given to you or personal as in your own feedback? My own feedback from listening to our podcast. Wow. So I have for a long time teased that I'm going to a World Cup country this summer. You have. I I was was on my – I was really (laughs) curious about it until my sister, your wife, spilled the beans accidentally. So now I know. I have not yet revealed what country I'm going to, though what I'm about to tell you will be a big hit. But it doesn't matter. Because this is my feedback for the South Korea episode. I was listening to the South Korea episode and listening to all like the wonderful things we were learning about it. And I said, fuck it. We changed our itinerary. We are now going to South Korea. <laughs> Serious? Wait, for the whole trip or just part of it? Just part of it. Wow. Joe, but that is... We will is... be in South Korea for the World Cup. And it is 100% because of just how awesome it sounded from the podcast. I mean, that is very exciting. You definitely should talk to uh, superfans Tony and superfans Pam. Super power fan couple there. They'll have some great uh, advice. So that's that's very exciting. I'm excited. I, I would love to go to both South Korea and your mystery country, which at this point is really, <laughs> really not many. Really? It's, it's, so we're obviously, go, it's obviously Russia, Joe. It's, 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 uh, it's obviously Russia. Um, how, how great would that – I really would have had to say that at the top of the podcast. But Yeah, um, that actually would be – No, we already planned it out. We're going to go – we're actually going to spend the bulk of the time in Busan, which is the second largest city and is in the south of South Korea. And it's right on the beach. So it's going to be like sort of like a little bit of like a warm weather, beach vacation. We have some good friends who live there. Uh, Tom. Oh, yeah. Super fan oh, that's Tom. right. Of course. So we're going to visit Superfan Tom and his wife and then um, hopefully uh, spend some time in uh, in Seoul as well. Yeah. Well, my apologies to uh, Superfan Tom. I forgot about that, who sent us that lovely, those two bottles of soju. Uh, yeah, that's going to be very cool. And Joe, I know it can be very disconcerting to be in a new place. And I know how important Thumbtack is to you in the United States. So just if you're, if you need something in South Korea, just use Sumgo, which is the Thumbtack of South Korea, which, oh, I, perfect. which, which I am an so investor I, in. So, so yeah, if they're great, if, if we have too much Sanjo and I get sick all over Tom's house and I need, need last minute house cleaning. 
Boom. Zoom go. Zoom go. That's that's amazing. Keep that in mind. And we already know that Groupon is a thing there, so this is perfect. Yep. All right. Well, that's really exciting, Joe. This, I'm very happy that this podcast is bringing such positive into uh, into your life. And Joe, before we get into this, I just want to I'm going to up the stakes a little bit in this podcast because speaking of positive change, this podcast has a real negative change on my life when I have to edit these <laughs> stupid episodes. So you know what, Joe? I've stopped caring. This episode is going to be completely unedited. Wow. So wow. if you say something absolutely horrible, which you normally do and I cut out, I'm leaving it in. If I flub my lines, which I do all the time, I'm leaving it in. People will see I'm actually not good at speaking. We actually talk over each other all the time. Whatever. See, I feel like this is going to be okay for these next two episodes because I feel like even though you don't speak Spanish, Dan, Spanish is a language that you are much more familiar with the pronunciation of words. And I think that like, really, I mean, like, like that Russia episode that, you know, there were some curveballs there and oh, like the Sweden, like, you know, Sweden was tough. tough. Serbia was really tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like if we're going to do an episode that's unedited, giving you those like, you know, those nice, easy, like layup Spanish words, which, you know, we're all familiar with how to probably not properly pronounce, but at least not mangle Spanish words. I think you're going to do great, Dan. Uh, yeah, probably not, but I don't care. <laughs> when you played that salsa music in the episode and I couldn't edit anything because there would have been like skips in the salsa music, I'm not going to lie. I felt free. I just said, you know what? I fuck stuff up. Doesn't matter. And I just, it, it was just a dream just to just skip the editing of those last 20 minutes. So you know what? Nobody cares about that. They're going to hear all the stupid mistakes and all the crap we do for the rest of this episode. But Joe... Let's learn a little bit more about this country, our neighbor, our direct neighbor to the south. I mean, that we, we've we recorded an episode in but this just country. Not, just not the Mexico episode. Just not the Mexico episode. But, I mean, we have been together in this country. And, by the way, this is for the first time and probably the only time, two countries, both countries in this doubleheader, I have been to and spent a significant time in. So I'm very excited. Um, you know, we have firsthand knowledge. You especially have firsthand knowledge. You used to go to this uh, – country as a kid so let's learn a little bit more about the nuts and bolts in a a section i like to call homeland handbook the name of the people of this country are a mexican a group of mexicans who are all mexican languages 93 percent speak spanish seven percent speak spanish and an indigenous language and less than one percent speak only an indigenous language The religions, 82.7% Roman Catholic, 1.6% Pentecostal, 1.4% Jehovah's Witness, and other evangelical churches, 5%. And the capital is, of course, Mexico City. Now, Joe, let's get to a segment that I like to call Joe Guesses, the Chief Export of the Country. (laughs) Joe do I do that first, or do I do the 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 population rank? I think I do the export first, right? Uh, no, we usually do the population rank first. Joe, let's get to a but segment do- like to call Joe guesses <laughs> population rank of the country. I actually had that in my notes, and I was confused, and I was like, should I just check for another country and see which I did first? And I just thought, eh, 
It's a 50-50 shot. But I was wrong. But you know what? Let's just guess it. So, Joe. And this is now the segment of stuff you normally would edit out. 32 countries. There's going to be a lot I edit out. Like when you <laughs> pick the random number of things we've already done or things that don't exist anymore. That happens all the time. Okay, Joe. There are 32 World Cup countries. Where does Mexico rank in population out of those? Okay, so I know Mexico City is really big, and I think Mexico is, I think it's pretty big. I think it's big. Uh, so I'm going to say that we're talking number five. So we went, we've got big, we've got pretty big. It's big. And then we've got number five, Joe. Let's see what the survey says. That's right. That's right. You're off by one, Joe. They're number four. They're the fourth biggest, and you are right. We have, uh, we talked about it in one of the previous episodes. I don't remember. There was number three, but we've now done one, two, three, and four. Mexico comes in at 129 million people and is the 10th biggest country in the world, Joe. And yeah, that's big. You know, this podcast, I think a lot of people listen to this podcast and they learn a few things about the country and maybe learn a few tidbits like that one about the canal going the wrong way and all these, uh, the Panama Canal. But I'm about to give a tidbit that I guarantee you will blow your mind. And if it doesn't blow your mind, then reformulate it into a trivia question that will blow your friends' minds, and then that will make you feel better by superiority. But get this, Joe. There are a lot of countries in the world, but I'm just focusing on the top 10 of those countries in the world. North America. Okay, so Asia, out of the top 10, Asia has five out of the top 10. North America is the only continent other than Asia to have two countries in the top 10 by population. Was your mind blown by that, Joe? Okay, wait, say that again. So North America is the only... So other than Asia, other which, than o- Asia. which obviously has India and China. So they're... Right. No, but they're, uh, out of the top 10 countries by population, North America is the only continent other than Asia to have... Two countries or more in the top ten. So I think. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand. I I would say that my mind is 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 a little bit disappointed by that wow. fact. Because yeah. when I think of continents that have really dense and large populations, I would think of South America, which has Brazil and all the and Argentina and all these other big countries. I would, of course, think of Africa, which has so such a high population, not to mention Europe. But it is Asia that has the super massive big countries. They have China, India, Indonesia, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. But Europe only has one: Russia. South America only has one: Brazil, and Africa only has one: Nigeria. And I can say this now because we've done all these countries. It is only North America with the United States and Mexico that has two top 10 countries. I think, I think if you asked people how many uh, countries does, the, does North America have in the top 10 in the world by population, I think a lot of people would answer zero. I think a lot of people would answer one. I think very few people would say two. Yeah, but people are dumb. All right, well... 
<laughs> podcast. I wish I could edit in an exasperated when you're like, "Oh my god, what a that's oh, yeah. my mind is blown." But look, I could just I could I could give you some reactions that you can edit in later. Yeah. Like, well, wow. 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 Can you just in case somebody after they hear I'm going to say that and they skip forward like two minutes? Yeah, give me like a good ten seconds of of really being excited by that fact. Okay. Holy shit, Dan! Wait for real? For real? No, yeah, no, it's way. real, Joe. Dan, Dan, don't don't mess with me with that trivia fact, Joe. Don't look it up around. yourself. Go to the Wikipedia population page. I'm not shitting. Hold you. on, hold on. Let me Bing this. Let me let me I, let me let me Bing fact check you here. Look, Bing it if oh, you yeah. want, Dan. Dan, Bing doesn't lie. You're right. Wow, you're right. Look at that, Joe. I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at Bing Maps right now. <laughs> Bing, Bing I, Maps. I, I love what they're doing with Bing Maps. It's, it's so it's so good. Bing Map, Maps traffic is never wrong. <laughs> All right. All right. That's enough. Joe, mm-hmm. the game we always play second. Mexico. Known exporter of things. I think it is known. What are their chief, or what is their chief export? But I'll give you either of their top two. I mean, surely, if, if, if we've learned nothing else, it's that countries that I didn't think exported cars export cars. So a country that I think of as exporting cars, it must be cars. Survey says... Joe, you are on fire. I mean, it was sort of a slam dunk. So get this. General Motors, Chrysler, Ford Motor Company, Nissan, Fiat, Renault, Honda, Toyota, and Volkswagen produce 2.8 million vehicles annually at 20 plants across Mexico, mostly in Puebla. Mexico manufactures more automobiles than any other North American nation. Now, that's a, it's sort of a trick because yeah. that doesn't count SUVs and trucks, which... If you add those in, the the United States dominates. But if you just look at cars, Mexico now, and I think this has been the case for about the last 10 years, they Mexico makes more cars than the United States does. So I'm very proud of you for getting that. You've already got it right. But Joe, let's just, um, let's push our luck. What is the second biggest export from Mexico? Whew. This is tough. Okay, I'm going to say textiles. Okay, well, I'm not even going to give you an incorrect answer because you already got the, the, the correct one, but it is not textiles, Joe. It is fruits and vegetables. Ah, of course, of course. And this yeah. is where I can get in these other facts. So throughout the entire world, Mexico is the leading exporter of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. They export over $2 billion in tomatoes annually which is most in the world, but there's some competition on that. But Mexico is by far, by far, the biggest exporter of this fruit, Joe. Can you name it? Mango. Avocado. Yes. <laughs> See, we would edit out the mango guess before. But yes, avocados. They are by far the biggest export of avocados in the world. They export over $2 billion of avocados, which is like five times as much as anybody else. So Mexico... Growing the fruits and veggies, sending them all over the world, although they actually mostly just send them to the United States. But, wow, this is exciting. 
you're you're off to a great start, Joe. You're two for two. I mean, I feel like in the early part of this podcast, you were just missing those, but now you you, you seem to be on point. I'm really in the zone right now. Yeah. So let's get into let's get into Mexico at the at the World Cup. So we'll talk about the World Cup history, road to qualification, and the group. So by the way, quick quick PSA for podcast fans. Uh, Big Maps is a real thing. I was just kidding. But it, it exists. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say something nerdy now, but Bing Maps is one of the first map things to actually have, like, the 3D renderings of buildings. But then Google started copying, and then Google made theirs way better. But that that was actually – Bing Maps did actually come out with that, that feature first. So I don't care if they, if they even pay us. Bing Maps is officially a sponsor of this podcast. Yeah. We should just do – I mean <laughs> – this whole thing is like a, a read that other podcasts do for ads where they like try to mix it in, but pretend, I mean, you keep bringing it up. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it's, it's a pinnacle of mapping technology. All right, Joe, Mexico at the world cup there. I, I, I said in the intro, so we don't need to get into this too much, but Mexico has qualified for the last six world cups. And again, it is amazing. They've, they've, uh, made it out of the group in all of them, and they've been in some tough groups, but they have lost in the, the round of 16 all six times, which I imagine, if you're a Mexico fan, is just so demoralizing. Especially, I mean, it was probably demoralizing after the third time, but it's probably super demoralizing after the sixth time in a row. Um, but the their best ever performance was happened twice, and it happened twice in World Cups they hosted. So they finished sixth in both 1970 and 1986 in uh, both World Cups they hosted. I mean, I think it's sort of crazy that they hosted two World Cups within 16 years, but they did. They performed well in those, but, um, you know, otherwise, not any outrageously shiny moments. They they qualified for the World Cup quite a bit, uh, basically throughout history, because I think, you know, while the United States sort of came on strong starting in the 90s, I think starting from... Soccer really picked up in the United States after the U.S. hosted the World Cup. But, you know, Mexico had just been dominating CONCACAF the whole time, basically, the entire history of the World Cup. Uh, but they, they, and this is the other part of the intro, they've been, they've been very dominant in CONCACAF, but they haven't really ever had a breakup performance in the World Cup. I mean, they've, they've never made the semifinals, even though they've hosted twice and, you know, in the... Korea episode in particular, I mean, we saw, and, and by the way, I do have an email uh, in our second episode about that, so <laughs> this could be some Korean controversy, but you you can see that the host nation, you have such an advantage, and Mexico has hosted twice, and for such a top team to really only finish sixth each time is, I would say, probably a bit disappointing, um, but not sure, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it does seem like for a team as good as Mexico that they have, you know, while being like consistent in qualification, um, they've sort of underperformed on like the World Cup level, right? In like the actual tournament. Yeah. And um, when we talk about qualification, they haven't always had such an easy qualifying. In fact, um, four years ago, they they barely made it. They, They came in in the playoff. But this year was not one of those years. This year, they just absolutely demolished qualifying. Uh, they only had one loss in the in the hex 
and that was in the last game, which was completely meaningless for them. Otherwise, uh, six wins, three draws. U.S. drew them at home, but Mexico uh, beat us in Mexico. I don't remember the score. This is just from memory. I I don't need to look it up. Look, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about uh, Mexico's road to qualification. And again, this was like the year they just dominated. I, I don't know how many games into the hex they qualified, but considering how badly everybody else did and how well they did, I wouldn't be surprised if they had qualified with like three games left or something. The group. So we've talked about this group twice before, I guess. We talked about it in our first ever episode, and we talked about it last, well, not last week, two weeks ago. We, we talked about it when I was in Seattle. How exciting. This is the group of death, Joe. This is Group F with Germany, your defending World Cup champions, Mexico, Sweden, and just for fun, South Korea. So I'll say again what I said in the South Korea episode and what I'm sure I said in the Sweden episode, but Group F is the group of death. As reigning champions, Germany will be joined by Mexico and Sweden. The Mexicans and Swedes' qualifying chances are separated by just three percentage points, which is the smallest difference of any teams drawn out of pots two and three in the same group. Rounding out this group is South Korea, which famously made it all the way to the semis in 2002, where they co-hosted the tournament. And the prize for a second-place finish in Group F? A possible date with Brazil in the round of 16. Good luck. So... We've got the World Cup history, the road to qualification, and the group. Let's just finish out and see what their odds to advance in this tournament. So, and basically, as 538 says, they give Mexico the slight nod, but they give Mexico, uh, they give Germany about an 83% chance of advancing through the group. Mexico, 51%. Sweden, 48%. And South Korea at 20%. So this is just like, obviously, Germany is a clear favorite. Mexico and Sweden are really fighting for that second spot. But, you know, South Korea is in the mix, which is, you know, why it's a group of death. And so their odds, 48%. Wow, this is based on the betting odds, which is slightly different than 538. But 48% to make it uh, to the knockout round, 18% to make it to the quarterfinals. And you'll note that huge drop-off in the odds, I think, you know, betting markets are smart, and the betting markets are, I'm sure, taking into account that their might, most likely road is being second place, and they're, it's putting their odds at winning that game at way, way below 50%. I mean, I think their odds of winning that game based on it are uh, less than 33%, just looking at it. But anyways, making the semifinals 7%, finals 2.5%, winning the World Cup a little over 1%, putting their overall odds at 80-1. to 1. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think that Mexico is definitely like hitting um, not a bad territory of like they're pretty good, but they're not so amazing that it feels like bandwagony to root for them. Um, I think obviously, given the the past sort of challenges, it would be massively exciting if they made it far in the World Cup. Um, they are in, they are in a tough group, so it could be a short tournament for them. Sort of even if they play decently, um, so that that's a little hard. I mean, the other thing that we 
don't really have a category to talk about this anymore, but this is the one team where there is, I think, an interesting conversation about the history with the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, and that, absolutely. Like, our, our success, I mean, first of all, they're, they are our biggest rival. Yes. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in fan culture. But also that like our success or failure is so often linked with Mexico that, um, you know, I mean, it's... Does the U.S. team's absence from the World Cup make Mexico then like the logical choice to root for? Or is it actually the opposite? Like at least I should still root against Mexico. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's really an interesting question because, you know, I think there is this CONCACAF thing. Like when Costa Rica was making a run, it was like in in the last World Cup, hey, let's root for Costa Rica. Like, you know, because like who cares about Costa Rica? Like we're all we're we're pretty ambivalent to the Ticos, you know, whatever. But, you know, Mexico is like, I mean, they're I mean, what is it? Um Landon Donovan said they were like throwing like bottles of urine at him or something like in that in Azteca Stadium, you know, they really. But I mean, they I understand why why Mexican fans dislike the United States and I do like the gamesmanship. I mean, it is the rivalry is just so fun where the, you know, Mexico always plays the United States in Azteca in Mexico City at altitude and then the United States always counters by by playing like putting it in in uh, like cold cities during cold days, so it's like to take Mexico out of their game, uh, which is fun. But I mean, Mexico is is kind of a fun team too to root for, and you know the Mexican in the um, our version of the Champions League. You know the Mexican club teams always win. You know Mexico is just a more talented footballing nation than we are. Right, 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 right. And that's part of the problem. That's why it's so so hard to think about rooting for them. I think that, at least for this category, I mean, I think that I have to think about the sort of history and the, 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 the constant rivalry with the U.S. team. But for this particular category, I do think that it is more like um, just just on their own. You know, this team isn't too good. They're not too bad. They've had an interesting, you know, run up to the World Cup, you know, and one that does have direct relevance to the U.S. But I think this is pretty good for them. I think this is like a seven and a half. Seven and a half. And just one thing to add to it is uh, based on the schedule, they play Germany first. Chalk that down as a loss. They play South Korea second. Chalk that down as a win, you know, if we're going by the odds. And that third game, Mexico-Sweden, that's... If, you know, it goes to the story, that's just a play-in game. So that actually might be one of the most exciting games of the uh, of the third round of the group stage. Yeah, all right. So... Damn it. I don't have the card thing pulled up. Normally we would edit this out. Yeah, we're not. The people listening are just going to have to deal with it. Here, just let me know when you're shuffling through the card so I can just fill dead air. Because I've I've got some interesting things to say, Joe, but I'm intentionally leaving them out. All right, category five. Food and couponing from Superfan Emily. Now, Joe, we are all too familiar with the food of Mexico, aren't we? Absolutely. We are very familiar with the foods at the Royal Resort. 
What what is your favorite Did, dish there, Joe? I mean, there's there's like pasta night. There, no, no. <laughs> no you, I mean, you, look. What do you think about Oriental night? <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, look. That's just what it. it's called, Joe. You got to edit that out, Dan. Uh, that's what it's called. So. Obviously, the best thing that we have in Mexico when we go, the best food, is clearly the tableside guacamole. I was going to say those movie theater chips, but... Hey, those free movie theater chips are... Well, look, you have to appreciate that, that, that they just put chili powder on everything. Yeah. I like those chips. I, I miss those chips now because it's like so unlike American chips. Like there's no like sugar. It's just like spice on a somewhat normal like tortilla chip. We were also so confused that they were free. I know. <laughs> that was great. Ugh. Anyways, let's get into what Emily says. She says Mexico has Groupon, but I don't think we've ever used any Groupons down there, Joe. But... Uh, she says, in airports, coupon books are given out to support the tourism industry. True Mexican food was founded by the Mayan civilization and the Aztec Empire. They used maize, corn, squash, beans, avocados, tomatoes, tomatillos, chocolate, turkey, cactus, and chili peppers, which are the foundation of today's Mexican fare. The Spanish took over in the 16th century, bringing more meat sources, dairy products, especially cheeses, and wheat. The combination of all the ingredients and blending of the native cultures and Spanish influence led the country to developing many of the staple dishes, foods, and flavors. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> staple dishes and foods and flavors. Similar to other large countries, there are location-based differences in cuisine, with Mexico having seven distinct regions. Many know about the standard Mexican food available throughout the U.S., which consists of tacos, burritos, enchiladas, and tamales. Other Mexican foods are tortas which are a sandwich made with a roll and filled with various items such as pork, beef, eggs, chicken, avocado, usually garnished with poblano or jalapeno peppers, tomato, and onion. It can be served cold or warm, being pressed on a griddle similar to a Cuban sandwich. Mole is another Mexican specialty, and the national dish of Mexico is a sauce made with five distinct classes. Chilies, sour, tomatillos, sweet, dried fruits and sugar, spices, and thickeners, nuts and tortillas. Pozole is a traditional stew with origins in Aztec culture, especially popular during holidays and celebrations. It consists of hominy and meat topped with choices of vegetables such as peppers, onions, garlic, salsa, and citrus. Chiles on nogada sometimes is called Mexico's national dish because its colors match those in the Mexican flag. It consists of green chilies that are stuffed with a spicy meat filling then covered in a white walnut sauce sprinkled with red pomegranate seeds. So forget Taco Bell and definitely go south of the border for some real Mexican food. I like those little kickers she puts on the. uh... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, we all. Everyone knows Mexican food well, and we all love it. And obviously. um, Obviously. This is going to be a high rating. But the one thing I want to say, Dan, and there's no really real other place to put this, but we mentioned it already. I don't know how to compare this to other countries because we haven't sampled the world, but the Mexican movie theater experience is so amazing that it needs to be noted on this podcast. 
It's five dollars for two tickets, the free complimentary bag of chips. And you know, had we gone nuts at the concession bar, it would have been another like three dollars for popcorn, soda, whatever you want. And there's beautiful stadium seating. Huh. You practically have the theater to yourself. It's amazing. It's the country knows how to do a, a movie theater experience right. I think it's almost like the thing about this podcast is so much of it is kind of an indictment of the United States. Like capitalism is great and I, I support capitalism, but it's clearly gone too far in, in too many places. And I think the movie theater is like the primary example of capitalism gone wrong where they're just trying to extract every dollar out of every person. Like, I would see a movie in a movie theater, but I just don't want to because there's just too much, like, scamage going on. It's a pain in the ass, yeah. It's the worst. I think ballparks are similar, but ballparks, like, I'm going to a few baseball games this week. And you know one thing I really like about baseball games? I have to pay for the ticket, and they have concessions, and they have beer and whatever. I can bring in whatever food I want. If I want to bring in a sandwich, I can bring in a sandwich. Security doesn't stop you. Obviously, they don't let you bring in alcohol. I'm fine with that. But if you want to if you want to go to the ball game, eat your own food, have your own sandwich, they do nothing to stop you. Try going to movie theater and bring your own food. You know, it's if we go to that Mexican movie theater bringing our own food, they have no problem with it. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah, no, they don't care. They were they were it was just a very chill experience and yeah, it you're totally right. It it is just a it's a total exposure of how wrong America gets the movie going experience. It's terrible. God, that was great. I that think was such a fun movie. Too. I think movie theater, the food. Oh, so hold on. Before couponing. you even get to this, before you get to your score, since this is one of the few food items that we're so intimately familiar with. You grew up in San Diego. You obviously had so much exposure to Mexican food. And I know when I would visit you in San Diego, you guys had a Mexican place you went to. And it was like your it, it was like one of your standard meals. I have obviously lived in California for now 14 years. What is your favorite Mexican food? And I know you've sampled everything there is to sample. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, this is going to be a very like so growing up in San Diego uh, you are exposed to like a certain type of Mexican food. Like it's like, it's not like, it's not like the like Oaxacan food or like the, you know, like the, um, the big dishes with like rich sauces and things like that. To my mind, the version of Mexican food that I grew up with that I will always love is just like the perfect fish taco wow. with the perfect like fish taco sauce and like some lime on it. Like you really cannot beat that. What about you, Dan? I love a fish taco, but I'll tell you, I am the San Francisco burrito at the uh, the San Francisco mission in the mission in San Francisco. The the burrito places, boy, that's I think that's the best. I think that's the best. I I I like it more than the the Southern California version of burritos. I think are different and and not as good. I think the San Francisco version is better. Unfortunately, I, I have actually always wanted to go to Mexico City. And from what I've heard, when you go to Mexico City, just the like street 
food you can get, the street tacos, are, and apparently like burritos are, are a much more American thing than they are in actual Mexico, but apparently they're just like amazing. So I, I really <laughs> would love to go to Mexico City. I, I mean, I love a good taco too. It's tough to pick. It's tough to pick. I mean, yeah, we used to have like the California burritos growing up, which were like the basically carne asada burritos, but then with French fries in them. Yeah, yeah. And it, that, I think that's it's definitely a, a Southern California thing. I had those in college too, but I, I think the the San Francisco version and, and there was the, the, the big five thirty eight burrito bracket and uh tuck it wasn't Taqueria Cancun, which is actually my favorite burrito place in, in San Francisco, but another San Francisco burrito place uh, I think it was La Taqueria one. They're like best burrito in the country, but I, I don't even like that burrito. But I think San Francisco is like um, it has a good thing because actually a lot of um, uh, Mexicans came up to San Francisco like during the gold rush, and and actually like Southern California had Mexican cuisine sort of by proximity, but San Francisco had it by like <laughs> Mexicans moving there and sort of creating uh, an area that. Uh, unfortunately, or I don't know, is <laughs> being gentrified away to uh, to uh, much dismay. But anyways, Joe, Mexican cuisine. This is really a true cuisine that that I think uh, you can. This is this is going to be a fun score. So what do you give it? Yeah, I mean, look, look. There's no score. I mean, this has to be a ten out of ten. Wow, Joe, ten out of ten. I, I didn't think you'd go that high for Mexico. Wow. Wow. Look, think of think of all the staples that Mexican cuisine has given us. I I, I mean, it's true. I, I I on on a weekly basis, I mean, of course living in California, it's part of it, but I mean there are probably twenty Mexican restaurants within a mile radius and you know, I've had a burrito at all of them, and I know which is the makes the burrito I like, which makes the tacos I like, and the, you know, you can always go to Chipotle if you want, and you know, that's a whole different experience, but it's obviously a, a take on the on Mexican food. I feel like if you are with a group of people, and people can't decide what type of food that they want, like as the group, you can almost always throw out Mexican, and people will be like, "Yeah, all right, let's do it." Yeah, yeah. Boy, tacos are great too. Tacos are such a good, such a good food. I, I mean, I'm I'm surprised. But I support it. I almost, I, I think like I would make text. Uh, I would make Mexico a ten out of ten. I didn't think you would. I thought I thought you had other things in reserve. But you grew up in San Diego. I think it's the right answer. Look, there can be more than one ten out of ten. It's true. It's true. Look, you do the rating, Joe. I just do the reading. And so far, I haven't had any two major flubs, so this unedited thing is actually going pretty well. Not at all. Yeah. All right. Oh, sorry. I forgot that you're waiting for me to pick something. See? Th- yeah. this is Okay. Category six. I'm what they call vamping. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't doing it, but I should have been doing it. Fan culture, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Thanks to Superfan Yannick. There will be a year. Mexico gets past the quarterfinals, especially if Joe gives them his support. In Mexico, everything stops during the 90 minutes of a World Cup game. Even the trains and trams stop. After a win, Mexicans like to gather around the city monuments and celebrate together. 
They also have wrestling masks and sombreros. Arriba. Rivals. Their chief rival is none other than our United States of America. Their chants and songs. The Salito Lindo, sung in the stadium. They also really like to scream, Hey, puto. Which I think is an insult. Also, yeah, that sound good. Joe, if you like commentators shouting, Go! As long as they can, Mexico is the team for you. Golazo! Oh, wait, that's the short one. Golazo! Golazo! That was taken from the uh, <laughs> Mexico game. Look, I think that, uh, you know, you think about Mexican fan culture. First of all, it's distinctive. Secondly, they're passionate. Third, like, okay, let me ask you this, Dan. What national soccer team do you think is more popular in the U.S.? The Mexican national team or the U.S. national team? Well, I, I, ha- I have, like, direct witnessing of this. So... If I go to the soccer bar I go to during a U.S. World Cup game, the bar is packed. This particular bar. But I have been to a taqueria. Now, now, during a Mexico World Cup game, the bar is about 50% full. But the taquerias, I've been to a taqueria during a Mexico World Cup game because I saw a U.S. World Cup game, then left, then went to a taqueria to get a burrito. The Taqueria had two TVs broadcasting a Mexico game, and there were just like 30 people in the Taqueria just watching the game. And, you know, the the service was very slow because they were like watching the game. I think if even in San Francisco, an American city, if you took the aggregate number of fans in the city watching the U.S. game, I think if you were at the at like the bar, it would probably be U.S. fans would win. But I think if you included everything, if you included all the people just watching on TV, it would definitely be Mexico. Because, I mean, A, there are a lot of Mexicans in California, but they just care so much more. Like, they're, they're right, obviously—I right. I mean, I go, go to the soccer bar that has the, the U.S. fans, but, like, I guarantee you at other bars, they probably have the game on, but I'm sure they're not packed. Whereas it seemed like every—like— it was just so cool to go to the taqueria. And, and at that time, I was pretty ambivalent to Mexico. And just seeing all the people just, like, congregating and watching the game. I also have, have friends who are, like, many of them, like, 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 second or even third generation Americans with Mexican ancestry that still root for Team Mexico. Yeah, and, and why not? Because that's, that's what their parents and grandparents rooted for. I mean, yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's not, like... It's not random. It makes sense. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that's, it's the other interesting aspect of this fan culture is that it is, it is the, <laughs> potentially the most popular, if not at least at the very least, obviously the second team of, of the U S yeah. national soccer is, watching population. I mentioned before that the U S also like strategically puts the games in sort of colder cities. They also strategically put them in cities that are far away from Mexico because any of the border States, Texas, California, etc. If they play the game there, 
it, it's oh it's, absolutely it's like no question about home it. Game. <laughs> yes yeah 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 I, I would say more than half probably yeah yeah so i think i think um i like the fan culture um obviously i do feel like a little bit i have to downgrade this a little bit because they're our rival but it is such a passionate fan culture but i'm i'm gonna say just i'm gonna dock like two points for the rivalry so i'm gonna say six out of ten now, just out of left field, while you're picking the random number, I want you to think about this question and give me what you think is the correct answer. At some point in the next 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, whatever, until the world is destroyed, either the U.S. or Mexico is going to win the World Cup. Which country yes. do you think is more likely to win it first? I think the U.S. team is going to win it first. Wow. Wow. Really? Because soccer is, is a much bigger deal in Mexico than it is in the United States. And as we've already talked about, it's, it's the 10th biggest country in the world. Like, it's not like the U.S. is bigger than Mexico, but it's not like Mexico is tiny. Mexico is big. No, but the U.S. is more than twice as big as Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And... What I think, I mean, this is this is a deeper theory that I have about soccer. Like, like I think that 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 football's time in America and in the world is done. Like, yeah. I mean, it's very slowly done. It's going to take a long time for it to be done. But it, it football as we know it cannot continue. It's clearly done. I and think, I think when Tom Brady retires this off season, which by the way is being rumored, I think that's gonna that's like going to be the death of football. That Tom Brady, even at the top of his game. And this is just out of, like, left field. But I'm just saying, there are rumors that Tom Brady might retire. And if Tom Brady does retire after, like, throwing for 500 yards in the Super Bowl, that is going to be a massive shot to, like, football. Dan? Yeah, that was my point. Oh yeah, sorry. I thought you cut out. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I totally unedited, agree. baby. And <laughs> I totally agree. Uh, and it's just going to be another chip. And and you know, right now you have this situation where like hardcore conservatives are pissed at the NFL because players are you know trying to assert their right to peacefully protest. Yeah. And people who are progressive are are mad at the NFL because they're uh, you know. S- you know, slowly killing their players and covering it up. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just in it's in a very slow death spiral. Which which like, albeit will be slow because it's it's gonna it 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 it's something that has to go from being the most popular thing in America to being gone one day. Yeah, which is going to be a slow process. Ten or twenty however, year process at minimum. But however. You know, I'm I'm in a community of sport loving people, right? Of people who, and especially in Seattle, people fucking love the Seahawks. I don't know anyone, and I I mean literally anybody, who plans on letting their kids play soccer or play football. How could you? Right. You could literally pick any other sport, anything. I mean, wrestling, whatever. I think soccer does have the issue with headers, but I think they they have that mostly taken care of. Yeah, and I don't think that they let. I don't think high school players head the ball anymore. 
I don't think it's a thing. It's an easy change to the game, too. It doesn't, like, fundamentally ruin the game to say no more headers. Um, I mean, it'd be weird, but, like, um, you know, that could happen. But so, so all those players, all those potential players have to go somewhere. Yeah. And some of them, you know, basketball is going to become more popular. Yeah. I baseball. mean, basketball is on a mat. Like, if you look at the, the rating stuff. Absolutely. Basketball yeah. is on this massive ascent. But look, the thing with basketball, they're just every team only has 12 players. Like, basketball, it, in football, your team has 50 players. And, you know, in soccer, your team probably has, what, the, the 23 active or whatever. But I'm sure you can have, like, 30 or whatever just, you know, in support of a team or something. Like, there are just more, there are more spots to get. So soccer is going to become more popular in America, and it's just going to have more players going through the youth system, going through the high school programs, because all those talented players that would have played football at one point are going to start playing other sports. And some of them won't play soccer, but, but some of them will. And, and, and the U.S. has sort of all the – you know, we talked about this many, many episodes ago, but it has all the things that you would need to become – a very proficient soccer country. But like, it has the why wealth. isn't I, this, this? I find interesting. So, like, let's comparing Mexico to Germany. Like, Mexico is bigger than Germany, and and I would uh, I think soccer is the biggest sport in Mexico. Why isn't Mexico Germany? <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I I don't know. I mean, first of all, I think that we've seen that like. There is a degree that like economics plays plays into it. That like having a country that is like you know, that wealthier countries tend to do better. Yeah. Uh so that 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 could be part of it. I think a lot of it is um I think it's hard to be a North American team because you don't because you're not part of like you're you're not constantly playing the 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 South American population. Yeah, yeah. You're not constantly playing the European level of I competition. I mean, you're right. So Germany, like you're, they're playing the best of the best. The German league is is obviously levels and yeah. levels above the Mexican leagues. And and the Brazilian players and the Argentinian players, they all play in Europe. But you know, a lot still, of the national team plays in Europe. But yeah, I mean, if you look at at Brazil, like Brazil has. Mass, I mean, Argentina is interesting, actually, because Argentina is, is is smaller than Mexico. But obviously, they, you know, they've won World Cups before. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, but but their level of, their, their, like, local level of competition is obviously so much higher. I mean, there's so many powerhouses in South America. It, it really is. I, I do wonder if... Yeah, I mean, I think the question is actually less why isn't Mexico Germany, but why isn't Mexico Argentina? Right, like that—that yeah, that yeah. is, is is a really interesting question, and I, I guess how much of it is just being in Concacaf and just having like no real competition. I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to imagine that. I I mean that 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 must be part of it, but it's hard to imagine that that's the case when you really only play eight, ten international games a year. You know, I mean, like at most, right? Like. Yeah. Like so, it's like so. Really, is is it is it those games when when players play sporadically? They're not in the lineup every time. I mean, I mean most most players, other than in in qualifying years or in World Cup years, like they're not playing that much 
Yeah. So it's just surprising that, that, that it would have an effect, but it, it actually makes sense because it's not like it makes sense that the conference that you come out of actually does have a big impact because it's not like there's one really great team coming out of the um, the Asian conference or yeah. or right like if if conference didn't matter you would expect that like Nigeria with a big population and really a, a soccer loving population could be like a world competitor despite the fact that like that that the other countries were sort of like a mixed bag, right? Yeah. Or you'd expect that like the same thing could happen with like China or Japan or whatever, right? Or, um, or Russia or something. I mean, I guess Russia is not a soccer loving population, but right. But but really, the best teams come out of the best conferences. Yeah. Um, which is just yeah, just sort of fascinating. I mean, I do wonder if like Mexico, if if Mexico said. We renounce our CONCACAF association and we're joining, uh, I, I forget what the South American conference is, whatever, it's unedited, uh, CONMEBOL or whatever. And they say, we're, we're, we want to join the South American Confederation. I wonder if they'd be better off for it. If they would just like, I, I, I think they're just, just to, just to play the, the better competition and, you know, just, just reset the country's expectation to what the South American teams have, knowing the level that's right. necessary to... I mean, Mexico just coasted through qualification, and then they're going to come to the World Cup, and, you know, I, I mean, obviously they're in this tough group of death, and and obviously the World Cup pedigree is, is making it out of the group. Six World Cups in a row is amazing, but, you know, once you get to that higher level, it just seems like they can't turn up. But this is a country of over a hundred million people. Like, they should be able to 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 get past that. Yeah, you would think. I mean, I mean it. So, so it's interesting, actually. So that, so, so that whole theory actually would. First of all, you should want that, even though it'd be it'd be hard for Mexico to say yes. We. We're going to join this confederation knowing that it might be harder for us to yeah, qualify no, no, for well, a World no, Their Cup. qualification will go down right. from 100% to like right. 50% or whatever. Right. But the other thing is that it actually, you know, you know, might be like uh, there's a positive spin for what's happening with CONCACAF that like Costa Rica is becoming a much better team and a much more yeah. like world-renowned team. And, you know, so, it, so actually like we should be all hoping – that Honduras gets better and Costa Rica gets better, that Mexico becomes an elite team, right? That that, yeah. that that actually, as much as it puts a positive spin on our rivalry because as much as as, as it's going to be frustrating to watch a bunch of other CONCACAF teams compete this year and not be in it, like we should want them to be good because that's actually going to make us better. That's an interesting point. I, I, I think you do want Mexico to be good because... They're the only test for the United States. Like, obviously, the United States is a complete disaster this qualifying. But in it, we're, we're, we're living in a world where one of these countries is going to win the World Cup. And you're going to ask, how are they going to do it? There, ha- there just has to be more comp- competition in CONCACAF. Because these teams just aren't tested. I mean, you're, we're playing the, the, the team that did qualify, Panama. You know, we beat them 4-0. And it wasn't, it's, it's not like a tough game. 
it's CONCACAF is really it's really a disaster. Anyways, you know, you know what we should do? The opposite, actually. So instead of of wishing that we could join another confederation, we should recruit one or two more good teams into CONCACAF. <laughs> Go to one of the South American teams that never qualifies and say, Absolutely. "Hey." Or yeah, I mean just just like we should we should honestly we should invite Colombia. Wait. It's close. It's right there. How about this, Joe? This is maybe a breakthrough idea. Let's unite the Americas. Let's make it one American confederation. We all oh, share the same oh, time zones. We all share the same yep. time zones. The travel's not yep. too bad in the in the uh the, and and maybe have a separate groups that are somewhat time uh time zone group. But then you have it, and then instead of sending five from South America and three from North America, we send eight from the Americas. I mean, that seems such an easy sell to the South Americans. It also, I mean, it's also sort of the other benefit to that is that World Cup qualifying, I mean, I guess next time we have to qualify for the World Cup, it will be exciting by the default of like, it's now not a given yeah. that we're going to qualify. But I mean, I went and watched a World Cup qualifying match for the last World Cup because they were playing in Seattle. And I, I believe it was actually against Honduras. And we won and it was boring. And like, I wasn't excited about it. And like people in Seattle almost treated it like, oh, cool, we're going to like an exhibition match, even yeah. though it was a qualifying game. Yeah. And um, I was excited because I was like, no, you know, they actually call... Technically, the World Cup, what we all call the World Cup, is technically called the World Cup Finals. So I was like, hey, we're actually going to a World Cup game. It's just not the finals, right? So that's how I phrase it. But the point is, how cool would it be if those qualifying games were like, I get to go watch them play Argentina? Yeah, or, how great or Brazil or whatever. <sighs> yeah. I, I, think, I think this is, a, this is an idea. I mean, it's like a step backward in the short term, but I think it's a step forward in the long term. Yeah, and look, I mean, I mean, certainly in the first uh, two or three World Cups of this of this new plan, you know, it would be a lot more South American teams qualifying and probably yeah, they'd be taking maybe our one. spots. But th- that's, yeah. that's better for the World Cup. I mean, the better teams. That's a, that's the thing that sort of I understand it is called the World Cup, and as you say accurately, the World Cup finals. But like, if it it does suck sometimes that like better teams are left on the sidelines, and like it, it like sucks that like Russia gets to play, who who sucks just because they you know scammed their way into hosting it, and when Cutter plays, oh my god, <laughs> they're gonna be well the automatic woeful. qualifying thing. I mean I I mean I get why you have to do it, but it is it should be yeah yeah no it's but ridiculous. the tournament would obviously should... be more fun for the viewer if it was actually the 32 best teams in the world which by the way is actually quite in flux a lot it's not like it would always be the same 32 teams uh but anyways we gotta we gotta move to the next category whatever it is joe category seven dan oh all right atrocities thanks to superfan josh phd he says, hmm, let's keep it relatively modern. The Aztecs weren't great, but that's water under the bridge at this point. Overall, Mexico is pretty good. They've always had problems with violence and corruption, but that's rooted in the country's poverty, difficult colonial history, and relationship with the U.S. 
As you know, recently there's been some terrible violence connected to the drug trade, but it's hard to blame Mexico as a country for that one, particularly since the United States plays a big role in the trade. Also, the U.S. basically stole Texas and California from Mexico, so he shouldn't really pass judgment. Trusty level, mild. And Josh also made sure to put in the Reddit comments about uh, this episode to be aware that the state I live in, the state you used to live in, and the state you grew up in, was essentially stolen from Mexico. I mean, it's true. I mean, I mean, you know, like had had the uh, had the cartographer that originally drew the map just like twitched a little bit, I would have been born in Mexico, right? Like, like it's it's pretty fucking close. Yeah, I'm not sure I buy that the cartographer's twitch, but yes, you were born very close to the Mexican border. Uh, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, Mexico seems all right. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Josh on this one. I mean, I, I feel like maybe he's, he's letting them off a little too easy on the drug trafficking thing, but, um, but you know, I mean, he's the doctor. So, uh, uh, let's say three out of 10, by the way, three out of 10, Jesus Christ. Oh, no, sorry. I was doing that. I was doing that backwards. (laughs) Eight out of 10. (laughs) <laughs> what, wait, wait. Three, three out of ten is backwards for eight out of ten did you write the number okay. down and then look at it the wrong way sorry i was looking at it in a mirror hold on okay seven out of ten seven out of ten dad this is unedited what is going on how are you uh by the way by the way what's what's up with our um audiobook reading for uh for Josh's uh, book, I think we're in. No, I've been chatting with them. Okay. Well, I think this unedited episode is actually going to be our our, our true uh, audition tape because this is what <laughs> it's all about. I mean, the way they have do- I ever told you about my favorite my favorite audiobook experience? <laughs> no. So, so I I enjoy audiobooks uh, uh, quite a bit actually. Um, How many audiobooks have you listened to? Oh. 10 plus? Oh, yeah, way more. Yeah, way more plus? than I can count. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, because I like to listen to them when I drive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely 50 plus. Um, and um, also, I like to listen to books that I've also read. So, like, I listen to the Game of Thrones books, and it's like a different feel. It's great. Um, wow. But, but, but the best book, and I cannot recommend this audiobook enough, is Tracy Morgan's audiobook, his, his autobiography, because obviously he reads it but he gets distracted and he goes on these tangents that aren't in the actual book he just starts talking <laughs> that's good that's that's like a bonus dvd feature there are things that are, that are in like apparently he, he has this whole rant about how he fucking hates chris Catan, and it's not in the actual <laughs> book it was just him talking and then also you can also hear chris Catan is like a little dweeb <laughs> you can also i mean Listening to this audiobook makes me like so confident in that like Tracy Morgan is basically Tracy Jorgen, Jordan from Thirty Rock because you can also hear like the number of like jump cuts in like how often how like heavily edited it was where like basically you'd be like <laughs> they they edited those three words in like what could have happened <laughs> like like that he like messed up one sentence so badly so it's it's really it's a great listen and it's like it's like three hours long. Yeah. Well, 
I, I mean, that's the thing with audiobook recording is literally they book the studio for the minimum number of hours to record it. So you have to do it in one take. And otherwise, <laughs> like, that's why they that's why they kept all this stuff in, because it's like too expensive to bring it back. Uh, honestly, I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I should listen to it. Making listens to, to a lot of audiobooks. I know I, it, it just feels like cheating to me, even though it shouldn't. And I'm a. I should just read one audiobook and then and see how I like. I don't think I don't think that you. I don't think it's cheating if you don't characterize it as having read the book. So, when you, I guess you just say you listen to it. I listen to this book. I yeah, listen to exactly. this book. Yeah. 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 All right. I mean, the thing is, if we actually do Josh's audiobook, we will have to read it first because you have to like take notes about how to record certain sentences and whatnot. The things well, I, I don't mean, I do think that we would, well, 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 uh, hold on though, Dan. I mean, if Josh, um, you know, you know, allows us to do him this massive favor, um, I think, I think ruin I think his book. <laughs> we would really be making audiobook history because, um, you know, I, I don't know if there are a lot of like, um, back and forth teams that record uh, history. I mean, certainly with like, you know, with novels that have different characters, I'm sure they do it all the time, but like, you know, we would have to decide, do we alternate chapters? Do we, do we try and break up sentences to make it more conversational? Um, how, how, how okay is Josh with ad-libbing? I mean, these are all questions. I mean, you know, I'm sure Could we'll have I production meetings and stuff. My, uh, my, this voice. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure we'll have production meetings where we can go over all these details. But my point is, I think we're in really breakthrough territory here. Uh, all right. What's next? I, I mean, I do. I'm very supportive. I can't wait to do Josh's book. But I am nervous that we're going to take his great book and then sort of drag it through the mud. And then Josh is going to blame us for ruining his book. And he'll he'll be accurately blaming us. We will have ruined his book. Look, 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 look. The best audiobooks are the one like Tracy Jordan's book, where uh, Tracy Morgan's book, where you're 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 getting something that is a different. You're not just listening to someone read the book. You're getting something that's a different experience than actually reading the book. If you want the real version and like the far better version, go read Josh's book. If you want a different experience, one of terrible accents and, um, you know, <laughs> nonsensical ad-libbing, then, you know, listen to the audio version. But shouldn't they just listen to this podcast? I mean, no, not really. Well, Probably I mean, not. I'll tell you the uh, numbers. Okay. People are not listening to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Category nine, Dan. That's why it's not edited anymore, baby. System of Government Head of State from Superfans Best, who's, by the way, going to have... Major, major impact on the uh, our next episode in this doubleheader. And superfan Ryan. Mexico is a nation where affluence, poverty, natural splendor, and urban blight rub shoulders. It has the second largest economy in Latin America and is a major oil exporter. But prosperity remains a dream for many Mexicans and the socioeconomic gap remains wide. Rural areas are often neglected and huge shanty towns ring the cities. Many poor Mexicans have sought to cross the 3,000-kilometer border with the U.S. in search of a job, 
But in recent years, more Mexican immigrants have returned to Mexico than migrated to the U.S. Tens of thousands of people have been killed in drug-related gang violence in the past decade. Powerful cartels control the trafficking of drugs from South America to the U.S. Security forces ordered to crack down on them have been accused of abusing their power and acting with impunity. Mexico is a presidential representative democracy where government is based on a congressional system whereby the president of Mexico is both head of state and head of government and of a multi-party system. The federal government represents the United Mexican States with executive power exercised by the president in conjunction with the Congress of the Union, a two-chamber legislator compromising, no, comprising the Senate. Yes. And the Chamber back, of Deputies. And boy, what, how, how do you make the other chamber feel bad than calling them the Chamber of Deputies? Oof. Oh, yeah, that is, that is, that is low. That's got lower house written all over it. The politics of Mexico are dominated by three political parties, the National Action Party, P-A-N, the Party of Democratic Revolution, the PRD, and the Institutional Revolutionary Party, the PRI. The 2006 presidential elections were the most competitive in the history of the country, in which the difference in the ballot count between the winner and the first runner-up was less than 1%, and in which neither candidate got the absolute majority. Felipe Calderon got the greatest number of votes, according to the recount, in a series of events that mirror Bush v. Gore, Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador contested the results and demanded a vote-by-vote recount, which was denied by the Federal Electoral Tribunal despite evidence of miscounting. Mexico is considered the most corrupt of all industrialized nations, and the people of Mexico are getting increasingly fed up by it. Recently, a minister was criticized for claiming champagne and caviar on his expenses at a time when the country was facing a serious financial crisis. Current president Enrique Pena Nieto has faced difficult questions relating to the purchase of his house and where he got the $6.5 million to buy it. The country is mired in the war on corruption and drugs and is still reeling from the 2014 massacre of 43 students who were kidnapped and killed by police after they protested against local politicians. That's not good. And let's learn more about President Enrique Pena Nieto. Why you might like him. As a governor, built 196 hospitals and medical centers, reducing reducing deaths from respiratory disease by 55%. Why you might not like him. Elected with 39% of the vote, started with an approval rating of 50% in 2012, and in 2015, it was 35%. In 2016, it was 23%. And in 2017... 2017, it was down to 12%. The campaign was accused of being funded by the Juarez Cartel's shell corporations, and Nieto allowed them to use government programs to launder money. Plagiarized 197 of 682 paragraphs in his university thesis from 10 different authors, accused of manipulating the media and restricting its freedom of speech, tied in the Brazilian construction company bribery scandal along with peru and panama oh my god we did those in the last doubleheader and lots and lots of controversies also to cap it off does not know the price of tortillas he claimed he didn't have to know it because it he was not the woman of the house instead oh, man. instead he <laughs> cheated on the woman of his house his wife and fathered two children out of wedlock I think it's, how fantastic is it that like that was the same thing that like 
you say about like U.S. politicians, but it's like it's always the price of milk or the price of bread, and like they actually do talk about the price of tortillas. That's yeah. great. I wouldn't like um, George H.W. Bush when he saw a conveyor belt in the supermarket. Was like, whoa, look at this technology. <laughs> um, okay, two things about Mexican politics. First of all, um, for anyone who doesn't follow it though I think it's pretty like well-known. Vicente Fox on Twitter just trolling Donald Trump constantly is fucking hilarious. Uh, former president of Mexico. Uh, Mexico secondly, ain't paying for the wall, apparently, according to him. This is, that's, that was my second point. Look, I know that it's not like a hot take to be like Trump supporters are dumb. But like, let me ask you this, Dan. Like, how could any person who thinks about anything a little bit like even it puts a moment of thought into anything, think that Mexico was going to pay for the wall. Like, why the fuck would they pay for the wall? Well, I and unless you're going to invade them, there's no way to make a country pay for something. I think the the point was that, you know, NAFTA allows like, why do all these car manufacturers build stuff in Mexico? Because the, the price of labor is cheaper and they get to there's no tariffs there. There can't be any tariffs because of NAFTA. But obviously... If, like, the price of all consumer goods are baked into this. So if Mexico were to pay for it and Trump was threatening NAFTA or whatever, prices would go up. Like, the American consumer would end up paying for it, which, by the way, is exactly the same as what's happening now, which is Trump is, like, the U.S. government is paying for it. So it's obviously such a dumb thing, regardless of the fact lots of... American taxpayers are paying for a wall, and the only question is, like, does this wall actually do anything? And, you know, it's up to the listener to decide if the wall is good. I don't know. Look, they're, 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 there's uh, competing theories, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to build a continuous 1,500-mile wall through, like, some of the most inhospitable parts of the world like those deserts i mean people die trying to get from mexico to the united states because the deserts are so long and so inhospitable like how are construction workers going to build a fucking wall there like it's it's not going to be cheap or easy i think even your your explanation which is obviously like how they would have like through the through like tariffs they would have had mexico pay for which doesn't even exactly work as a of what you're saying about things being passed on to consumers. But even that, I don't think that those people chanting at that rally were thinking about the complex like machinations of like, well, you do it through tariffs and blah, blah, blah. Like I think they they feel like Donald Trump is such a good negotiator that he is going to get Mexico to like write a check for the wall. I mean, look, if if we want to pile on Trump supporters, I think we could really could have a whole podcast about that. I mean – they're obviously or bamboozled by him. Like, there's nothing more to say about it. Whether they support him or not, the, the pledges he made are, were obviously lies. And, and in fact, in the clip I had that's the beginning of this podcast, he says, that's the first time I ever said this. And he's like, that was fun, wasn't it? Like, I, I don't know if he's lying or not, because obviously a compulsive liar. But if that is to be... 
one reason I believe it is because when he starts asking the crowd, they weren't pre-cheering for it. I tried to find other YouTube clips of it. But once he started talking about the wall, the crowd was would cheer in advance, knowing they'd get to do the call-in response of, like, who's going to build the wall in Mexico? Like, they, it, it was like a, a band where they were about to play, like, their big song. And in yeah, this, it yeah. sort of caught the crowd by, like, they, they didn't know what they were about to hear. But... You know, that's that's the point. He just made it up on the spot, set it out. It was a call and response, and, you know. And now that's U.S. policy. <laughs> well, it's not U.S. policy. I mean, it didn't work. He, he's trying to get the military to pay for the wall. But that's, like, neither here nor there. The, the U.S. taxpayer is going to pay for it one way or another. You know what, honestly, Mexico should do to really fuck with Trump supporters and, and Trump? They should build a wall. <laughs> they should build a wall. That's like clearly meant to keep Americans out. And they should be like. <laughs> they should waste like, their money. They should. They should waste their money. They should build a wall and be like, you know what? We don't want you guys. But everybody All wants right. Americans. Yeah. Uh, Dan, category. Oh, did we rate that? Yeah, that's kind of, I was just that. waiting to see how long it would take. I love the unedited podcast. Yeah, you need to give it a score, Joe. <laughs> System of government. We got the the House of Dep or what's the the Deputy House, the uh, the Chamber yeah, of Deputies. Uh, but we got a Senate, Joe. We got a Senate. We've got a a a president who he's no Vincente Fox. That's what I would say. We're gonna say four out of ten. Ooh, that's harsh. You know, I don't like the car print. You know I don't like corruption, Dan. I know. Corruption's bad. All right. Uh, category 10. Category 10. Oof. We don't do that anymore, Joe. That was formally rate the kit. You had to take that into account into fan culture, which you forgot to do. Okay. Oh, well, let's just look at the kit real quick. Wait, no, there's no score. Eric, look well, at I the kit. I just want to look at it. Well, look at the kit while I'm reading some other thing. All right. You know what? I'm just going to 11. <laughs> this is the national anthem. Thanks. Oh, to, Dan, look at this kid. Thanks to oh Superfan Tony PhD. So many this, stripes and here. You analyze the kit while you listen to the national sashes. anthem. You you include the kit score in your national anthem score because I think those are, are are very well connected. The Mexican national anthem in Spanish, Himno Nacional Mexicano, also known as the Mexicans at the Cry of War. In Spanish, Mexicanos al Grito de Guerra. The anthem was first used in 1854, although it was not officially adopted until 1943. Lyrics were composed by poet Francisco Gonzalez Bocarenga after a federal contest in 1853. I apologize to him for mispronouncing it. May he rest in peace. Later, in 1854, he asked Jaime Nuno to compose the music which now accompanies Gonzalez's poem. Lyrics, battle cry, war, war. Without quarter to any who dare to tarnish the coats of arms of the country. War, war. Let the national banners be soaked in waves of blood. War, war. In the mountain, in the valley. Let the cannons thunder in horrid unison. And may the sonorous echoes resound with cries of union. Liberty. Fun facts. This is not Nam Smokey. It is a Mexican national anthem. There are rules. The government regulates how and when the anthem must be performed and what people should do. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's from the Big Lebowski, but do? I don't know. Uh, 
chapter five, article thirty-eight states that the singing, playing, reproduction, and circulation of the national anthem are regulated by law, and that any interpretation of the anthem must be performed in a respectful way and in a scope that allows one to observe the due solemnity of the anthem. Article 39 prohibits the anthem from being altered in any fashion, prohibits from being sung for commercial or promotional purposes, and disallows the singing or playing of the national anthem from other nations unless you have permission from the Secretary of the Interior. Article 41 states that the national anthem is required to be played at the sign-on or sign-off of radio and television programming. Article 45 says that, that those who are watching the national anthem performance must stand at attention and remove any headgear. Another fun fact. On the rare occasions when somebody performs the national anthem incorrectly, the federal government has been known to impose penalties. For example, when one performer forgot some of the lyrics at a Satramax in Guadalajara, she was fined $400 Mexican dollars by the Interior Ministry and released an apology letter to the country through the Interior Ministry. If we had this in the U.S., we could have imposed a Fergie fine. All right, Joe. Well, Dan, Dan, I'm kind of nervous about playing this on this podcast. Are we giving it its due solemnity? Joe. I don't want to get fined. We are not bound by Mexican law in the United States. Thank God we didn't record this in Mexico. See, I was going to say, I'm glad we didn't record this in Mexico. We would have been in okay. real trouble. But in the United States, they cannot they cannot touch us. The tentacles of Mexican I'm just saying, law okay, ended our border If you border are wall. a fan listening in Mexico, you might want to fast forward. No, if you're standard attention. Okay. Do it. We should wait. <laughs> Yeah.
ending there wow wow yeah that was a you know the thing that was interesting about that is is i mean we live right next door to mexico i don't know if i've ever really heard that it didn't it didn't strike me as familiar yeah that's i completely agree i mean i don't know if tony is playing a trick on us but they did say mexicanos in there many times so i think yeah it is legit but you're right it was fine. It was long. And, you know, this, this kit also looks great, by the way. <laughs> yeah, add that so, into the score. Yeah, I mean, okay, for the national anthem, I would say nondescript, three and a half out of ten. This kit, on the other hand, the white one with the two stripes on it looks real sharp, real sharp. Uh, so let's say bump it up by two points, five and a half out of ten. Wow. Five and a half out of ten, all right. Dan, we got the Joker. Two categories left, Joe. Let's do category eight. Yeah, I mean, why even ask? All right. Everybody at home is on standing at attention (laughs) for their favorite category, the biggest celebrities from superfan, fan emeritus, Karsten. The honorable mentions, Joe. Cesar Moan, aka the Dog Whisperer. It's true. That guy's great. If if he came and helped train your dog, I mean, not not anymore. He, he's Reggie's a little past his prime, but man, there were a lot of misbehaviors. Cesar Moan could have fixed. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great to have him. Absolutely. And Alfonso Cuaron, 
the director of the Academy Award Academy Award winning film Gravity. Do you see Gravity, Joe? Yeah, I did see Gravity. Wow, I saw it too. What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I, I I think it was all right. Yeah, you know. How many thumbs I thought, up? Seven. I have, I have a very complex uh, four, fourteen thumb system that, that I rate things on. Does that does that correlate with the Joe picks a World Cup team scores, or is that a whole different scale? It's a whole different. It, it's 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 way too complicated, way too complicated. But I have, I have a um, formula that I have in Excel, so I just I just kind of yeah, it's easy to figure out. But uh, for me here on my computer, but yeah, no, it, it's seven thumbs, seven thumbs out of fourteen. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. All right, well, Joe, we might come back to the film industry for, I don't know, all three of these celebrities. But the bronze okay. celebrity is Mexican-born actress and model Lupita Nyong'o. Her parents were Kenyans in political exile, so Nyong'o was born in Mexico City. She was able to return with her parents to Star Kenya. Wars. We have another Star Wars actress. Boom. During her childhood, but went back to Mexico in her teens to study and learn Spanish. Nyong'o won an Academy Award for her role as Patsy in 12 Years a Slave. In 2009, she directed, edited, and produced a documentary, My Genes, that told the story of several Kenyans living with albinism. Nyong'o played and voiced the character Maz Kanada in the Star Wars movies Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. She also starred in Marvel's Black Panther as... Nakia. Wait, who? Oh, mask the like the 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 little alien, yeah, with the like goggles. Yeah. Oh, boy, she was really getting into some crazy shit. Anyways, Lupita comes in at one point two eight million Twitter followers. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a great celebrity. Boy, so she's got she's got an Oscar. Did she? Did she? Has she won? An Academy Award. All right, let's get to our silver medalist, who may also have an Academy Award. It's Mexican filmmaker Guillermo del Toro. He began directing films in 1993 with the Spanish-English film Kronos that featured Ron Perlman, who he has worked with frequently. His work is characterized by connections to fairy tales and horror. Some of his films include Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, and Crimson Peak. Del Toro turned in his signature work, The Shape of Water, in 2017, the film earned international acclaim and won the Academy Award for Best Picture. And he adds in, it's not Big Little Lies, that's for sure. <laughs> Gilmo <laughs> comes in at 1.44 million Twitter followers. Now, the gold medalist, and what you'd imagine it would have even more than that, but she has less, comes in at 258,000 Twitter followers. But she might be the well, the most well-known of all the three, she is actress and producer Selma Hayek. Her breakthrough as an actress came in 1995 in the action movie Desperado. Following that breakthrough, she earned six Academy Awards for her portrayal as Frida Kahlo in the 2002 movie Frida. Her nomination for Best Actress in Frida was the first for a Latin actress. Hayek was the executive producer of... Wait, how do you win six Academy Awards for it, though? I don't know. I mean... But- Wait, hold on. So you have? I mean, the did she movie, direct it too? 
Well, if she's a producer, she wins. She wins for that. Oh, she she gets a stake in all of yeah, it. Yeah. I, okay, I understand. Hayek okay. was the executive producer for the show Ugly Betty, which aired from 2006 to 2010. Since her debut in 1993, her filmography includes over 50 movies. Hayek penned a letter that was published in the New York Times, December 2017, detailing how she had been victimized by none other than Harvey Weinstein during the span of her career. That horrible monster. That if one thing can unite us on this podcast and all of our listeners, Harvey Weinstein's a fucking disgusting creep. And good for Selma Hayek for going public with it. So she is the gold celebrity from Mexico. Great, great list of celebrities. Don't you think, Dan? I mean, every one of them's won an Oscar. I mean, that's can. I mean, I mean, the United States isn't in it. Like, what other country can throw up three Oscar winners? Like three Oscar winners that everybody's heard of. And recent, yeah, Oscar winners. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is this is this is a great list of celebrities. Uh, I mean, I guess it's it's not a huge surprise that um, our immediate neighbor would have people who are more famous here. Like, I guess probably like if you're in Spain, you're much more familiar with like the Portuguese celebrities, right? Um, so I guess that kind of makes sense, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, like these are all people who I think are great. So, um, and Alfonso Cuaron is a, as a, as a honorable mention, I mean, that guy, you know, he made that movie children of men. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, good movie. You actually know who he is. Yeah. He made, he made, I think the best, at least the best directed of the Harry Potter movies. Which one? The prisoner. Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban was. I was gonna say that movie was, so that was him. really yeah. awesome. That was him. I mean, that yeah. movie was by far the best. I don't. Think, I don't even yeah. think it's close. Like, I, I think that movie is like a standalone movie, and the rest of them. I mean, some of them are bad. Like, I think the last few were just bad. I don't even like remember the last ones, but um, yeah, that one was the best one, and he also. They they wanted him to do all the other ones, and he was like, "No, I'm not going to do it." Too famous for this shit. Yeah. I'm a honorable mention in Karsten's list. <sighs> uh, yeah, I think uh, th- this is this is great for Mexico. Let's say seven and a half out of ten. Thought you were going to go higher than that. Those rivalries hard to to get over, Joe. Apparently, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, we have two categories left, Joe. We go in order here. We just end with a drink. So let me send you this link. And I'm going to have to, as we say, vamp while you watch this and learn all about this player. Curving Lozano. He is a 22-year-old winger who plays for PSV... Eindhoven, which if I had to guess sounds German, but I don't really know. Uh, no, they're in the Dutch league. Oh, Dutch. Okay. Well, it sounds like something. It doesn't sound very Mexican. That's for sure. So here is what superfan and fan emeritus David PhD has to say about Irving. See, now, 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 by the way, every, everyone's going to know that I knew that off the top of my head and that it's not like edited in. It's not bad. I don't, I don't know if they trust us or we're not editing. I'm literally just going to take this and, like... 
Copy and paste. I think, I, I think anyone who's listened this far knows that we're not editing this. The reason I decided to stop editing is, Joe, our listenership is not only not going up, although it's not. Don't talk about it. Dan, don't, don't talk about it. it it's depressing. No, but, let's just talk about. But it's not going let's just down. talk about our friend. We just Irving. have 100 people who listen every time. Good for them. I, I'm happy. I love it, but I think there's nothing we could do that would displease them. So, you know, let's just go nuts. <laughs> well, well, let's, we're going to keep trying, though. Well, if we <laughs> do keep... displease them, then we can stop doing this goddamn podcast. Be great. Let's talk about, let's talk about Irving. Okay. Is that how you say it? Oh, yeah, the H is probably silent. The H is silent, yeah. but Irving just sounds like, a, like an old, old white Jewish man, so... <laughs> Irving, but but then Lozano, that's that's not very Jewish, All right? Irving, Irving, Irving Lozano. Lozano. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mister Lovonstein, who plays for PSV Eindhoven, Einstein. No, oh, no. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm just gonna read the copy as it's written. Irving Lozano. He's a winger, very fast player with good dribbling and technical skills. His style reminds me a bit of Arhan Robin. Ooh, that shifty oh, yeah. bald man. Oh, I really like. His nickname is Chucky. FIFA named him in their Young Stars of 2017 list. He scored 14 goals in 23 appearances for PSV and 7 goals in 25 appearances for Mexico. Joe and your beloved FIFA 18. He has a 79 and an 85 potential. Ooh, that's good. That's like a good, that's good right off the bat. For a 22-year-old, it's not bad. And David gives him a 6 out of 10. You know what? I I like this guy. He's he's less of a smarmster and more of like a, he's, he's has some really nice shots here and also some really nice passes here. There's a lot in this clip, Dan. I, I I'm not sure if you've watched it at all or if you're just sending me the link. Unfortunately, Joe, but, if we were doing an edited version of the show, I would watch it. But knowing that I yeah. have to fill the dead air while I'm like sending you this stuff, I, I, I can't do like 18 things at once. And I have polished off this whole thing of margaritas. So No, it's, no, it's interesting because a lot of these clips that, that we get sent, um, it only shows like really amazing highlights or goals scored this one some of some of them are just really long passes that he had that were like super accurate i mean i remember Um, one of the clips of the players that wasn't very good the clip was like him making runs and then like getting the ball stolen from (laughs) hopefully this is better i like this i like this i mean these goal numbers are legit like if you're scoring 14 goals in 23 appearances that's like i don't know what the level of competition is in the dutch league but that's that's legit it is legit, and PSV is not the best team in the Dutch League. I mean, they're in like the top three or whatever, you know. But um, uh, yeah, I would say, you know, you know, I'll st- I'd like to, I'd like to stick with fan Ameritai rating. So let's say six out of ten. I like it. Six out of ten, Joe. We get to the last category, the one that everybody at home knows. Everybody at home's had a margarita. Everybody at home's had tequila. You can take this rating however you want. You can rate tequila. You can rate a margarita. You can rate any combination thereof of tequila and whatever. Uh, what's that? A tequila sunrise. That's a good drink. We were so I'm so I'm drinking tequila. So I just want to talk about straight tequila. But I do want to ask you, Dan. I mean, the the thing that's so interesting about tequila. You made a joke earlier. 
you know, uh, my cousin, I won't even take credit for it. He always makes the joke. He says he doesn't drink tequila because he has an a, uh, old college injury. Um, what is it about tequila that is like so memorably like I feel the same way when I drink tequila. It like reminds me of all the nights that I spent like puking up tequila. What is it about tequila? Like I, I, I overdrank rum and vodka and beer in college too, but somehow I'm still able to continue to drink those. But, but somehow tequila, it like brings you back to the place of like everyone when they drink tequila somehow thinks of their like worst night with tequila. I think the problem with tequila is that when people want to take shots, everybody like wants to take shots of tequila. I mean, I'm in this bowling league, and at, they were like, oh, another bowling team wanted to take shots, and they were like, let's all take shots of tequila. I think it just, it feels to people like it's a thing they want to take shots of, and, you know, that was very, you know, in college, everybody wants to take shots. Now, I would never want to take like a shot is the dumbest thing ever to drink. <laughs> like you're taking all the enjoyment of drinking alcohol and compressing it into one second of unpleasantness instead of like ten minute of ten minutes or twenty minutes or thirty minutes of like pleasant sipping <laughs> and then your hangover is all that much worse. Like it's like a shot is is a horrible like, the shot was invented by a bar that was like, we need to sell more alcohol. Let's convince people we just pour the alcohol yeah. and they just drink it in one second so we, we also, can just give it to them. We need to sell our, our worst, cheapest alcohol. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. Drink it without tasting it. And I think that's a problem because I think tequila in particular, like, I also have the same feelings with Jaeger. Tequila has this whole thing with it where you lick the salt, you take the shot, and you have the lime afterwards. And I think... Because of the whole ceremony of the, yes. the drinking, yes. it's like like when you just go to a bar and ask for a shot of vodka or something, you just get a shot of vodka. But when you ask for a shot of tequila, you get this whole pomp and circumstance. And, uh, you know, it, it, it obviously leads to bad outcomes. I think, I think that's a very astute um, diagnosis of the reason why tequila does that. Because... because I think that the ritual piece of it is totally true that especially when you're like a new drinker and you want to seem like you know what you're doing, it's like it's an easy ritual to learn too. Yeah. And then suddenly you look like you're this tequila expert because you're like, okay, now you put the salt on your hand and you take the, you know, it's like, it's like, you know what you're doing, even though knowing what you're doing takes about like five seconds of thought. Well, and if you're with a girl um, too, it's a good way to sort of, sort of get like some physical intimacy because you're like, oh, yeah. oh, lick it off my, my wrist or whatever. See, see, I think, I think the next time you're at your bowling league, you'll be like, I'll take a shot, but only Zambuca. <laughs> hey, I've actually been to Vegas with you where you were like getting a drink and you're like, I want Zambuca. <laughs> You've, yeah. I've seen you get yeah. it before. Shots of Zambuca are really good. I know. And you know what? Zambuca just needs like a good ritual. You should chew on a coffee bean. and uh, Well, they always put the know, coffee beans in it at the nice places in Vegas, but... Sambuca is the ultimate sipping drink. You take a shot of Sambuca. It's going to clear out your sinuses. I don't know. You get Sambuca cold enough, and it's smooth. It's smooth. I'll tell you. <laughs> You've taken right. shots of Sambuca. <laughs> I, uh, all that being said about bad memories, you know, you, you can't beat good tequila. 
a good margarita, like, oh man, when we're in Mexico and we do get, you know, when we do take a break from our rum and get a good margarita, there's nothing like it. I also, you know, spent a significant amount of time in college as a waiter in a Mexican restaurant. So uh, I served a lot of tequila in my day too. Yeah. Um, so let's say eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. Wow. Good score. But look, it was the drink you had before your wedding. I mean, it very. It's true. I mean, it's the only, it's the only country that no, qualifies know, for that. And really, not to not to not to like underestimate the amount of the score that is based on like much of my college income was <laughs> derived from upselling people on tequila when they'd order a margarita, and they'd be like, "Well, you could get this, but I I personally think that the that the gold is just a much smoother margarita." You got to get the gold, Joe. But I don't, I don't think anyone can taste the difference in a margarita. But now but, you, uh-huh. Joe, get to give your medal to Mexico, whether it be gold, silver, or well, I guess it would be gold, gold, silver, or not included. So the well, the segue <laughs> doesn't quite work, but whatever. I can't edit it out. I have to go with it. They come with a total of sixty-one point five, which puts their average at six point eight three. Which is it's a strong score. Very strong. It's higher score. than uh it's higher than Portugal, which is in. It's higher than Uruguay, which is in. It's higher than Costa Rica, which is in. It's higher than Sweden, which is in. I mean it's higher than everybody. If you were to reject them, it would be a uh cataclysmic event in the ranking system. This is this is a, a very, very high score. The only reason to reject Mexico would be just to say, no matter what they scored, they're our rival, so they can go fuck themselves. Or, as I'm sure, if Rob were listening, he would write in like an eight-page email because um, it's a very Rob thing to like get stuck on. The sort of the the degree to which had they just beaten Honduras, we would be in the World Cup. But if we had just and, fucking tied Trinidad and fucking Tobago, we would have been in the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, that's. That's what you would say to Rob because Rob's a fucking dick. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and Rob would say, well, you know, in the previous World Cup qualifying, we beat so-and-so and that's what put uh, put Mexico in the World Cup and they could have done us the same blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. The point is... Which is those, true. <laughs> yes, it's all true. The point is those would be the only reasons why I would kick Mexico out. And as tempting as it is to be vindictive here, they scored well for a reason. I think Mexico needs to stay... Stay in the conversation. And when we get to the Sweet 16, we can have sort of the existential conversation of what it means to become. Can you become a fan of your rival for one World Cup? I don't know. Look, as they say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So the thing is, it works in 2018, but by 2022, hopefully it'll be a completely different enemy. that's the question, though. Is Mexico our enemy, or are they our frenemy? Well, I'm just saying they're the enemy of Donald Trump, so. Uh, <laughs> okay. See, that's, like that's where we're going, like Joe. That's I like it. thinking outside of the box here. All right, Dan, Mexico's moving on. Now, Joe, well, those beeps will Dan? probably be. Uh, we could do this in the next episode, but I want to do it in this one because I'm not editing it. We're just going to throw it out there. Let's pick the next five teams for the World Cup right now. 
Boom. I mean, this is, okay. this is actually going to be tough because I, I literally don't have the list in front of me. Let me pull it up. Let me let me bing it real quick. Yeah, bing it. And while you're 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 binging it, I'm going to vamp a little bit because. And I'm glad we're doing this at the end of the podcast because Joe, I actually have the first existential crisis ever in my uh, my career as a woodworker. The uh, the bowling alley I go to and bowl in the league. I talk with the owner a little bit, and basically, I think he sort of wants to hire me to make a whole all the tables. He wants to completely remodel his bowling alley, and he wants me to make all the tables for the new bowling alley remodel. And Wow. That's like a real job, Dan. I know. Well, the thing is, A, it would be... Like, I, I talk to him about the tables he wants. It's, like, well within my skill level. I could do an amazing job. But it would be really annoying because it's, like, building one of something is kind of fun. But building, like, 20 of something is really annoying. But if I did it, I would, like, be a VIP at this bowling alley that I go to every week forever. So I can't decide if it's worth committing, like, weeks and weeks of ever. It, it would probably be... Like it literally day in day out, a month of like full time work to do, to to do the stuff for this, which I, you know, I haven't had a full time job in in years other than this stupid podcast. <laughs> I can't decide if I should do it or not, because it's it's just I know once I agree to it, I'm gonna be annoyed the second after I agree to it. But then after I do it, it's gonna be pretty good. Well, Dan, I think I think you have to do it, Dan. Have to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I have to? You have to. If you don't do it, every time you walk by this bowling alley, every time you walk by any bowling alley, you're going to wonder what if. He showed me the prototype from the guy who made it for him, and it was like, I could make stuff that was way better than it. And you're going to you're going to wonder to yourself, you know, you're going to be at this bowling alley. Okay. You're going to put your beer down. It's going to be wobbly cuz the table that he got at some fucking from some fucking aftermarket table manufacturer isn't up to your high standards. And you're just going to shake your head and and know that you could be enjoying a more perfect table experience had you just sacrificed a little bit of your <laughs> Let's be honest, extensively free time. Okay, it's not extensively free. But how about this? If I do it, so I talked to him. He basically, he was, he, the, the guy who did it for him would say he'd pay $600 for a table. The materials cost is probably between 200 250 So that's $400 of white meat. The money to me is not interesting, especially for the amount of hours I'd have to put in. But I was thinking, what if I instead go to him and say, I'll do it. You have to pay for materials, but I get free bowling for life at your bowling yep. alley. I was going to say, that's the only payment you want. That's what you I want. want. Lifetime yeah. You want a lifetime bowl, and, and, and I would go one, one further than that. You don't want a handshake agreement. You want a laminated, professional-looking card right like a credit no i'm, I'm serious i'm serious no i'm actually being serious about this because look <laughs> look you want a professional card that you can keep in your wallet and that and that forevermore is the only one of its kind 
Well, the owner. So this is one funny thing about it is, um, I'm I, I'm very good friends with all the like fr- front desk people because I come to the league every week. You know, have a good time, hang out with them. And then I was talking about like, talking to the owner, and I was talking about a locker, and he's like, "Oh, you'll you'll get along with him well because he's a Jew." <laughs> And I was like, Perfect. what? Perfect. Like, like Perfect. to the people in the bowling alley, me being Jewish is like this bizarre, I'm like a bizarre person. But apparently it's, it's your most, it's your most defining character. Trait. But I'm not going to lie. When I talked to the guy, I guarantee you he knew I was a Jew. We just had like the Jewish connection as it were in terms of, <laughs> in terms of business. It really right is away. a rig system. You're like Shalom. He's like I, I'm with you, yeah. man. I'm like <laughs> I gotta get my beers in tonight because you know it's Shabbat tomorrow. And he's like, yes. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think 100 percent free bowling for life, or I think, I think equity totally in the appropriate bowling alley. To- equity in the bowling alley. Do I want that? I mean, I don't know if no, you don't. You don't because then you're also on the line for all the bowling alleys debt. Uh, which I'm sure which, is cheap blamed. So which, I just, just asked for free bowling for life. Yes. Free bowling for life. And you need to actually have like successorship language too. Like should should the owner sell to another owner, they will they yeah, will yeah, honor yeah, any yeah, commitment yeah, to yeah, free bowling yeah. for life. I wait, I want first right of refusal if they sell the bowling alley. Because Joe, two hours into the Sunday podcast, it is my dream to own a bowling alley. Now but that that's that's your dream now? Joe, I bought a bowling ball this week. I have a bowling ball right now. If you look at the score in the league, I have the highest bowl. I have the highest score of the league. I am I'm like a you go to this bowling league and I'm like a VIP. I'm like a special person. I go into regular life, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. So It's interesting because because we went bowling when you were here and like your sister, who has never bowled or hasn't bowled in years, she kind of she kind of beat you. Well, you say kind of beat me, but she didn't beat me. I beat her, but it's it's obviously very difficult to adapt to new lanes. But I I rolled a higher score than her, so I don't know where you're saying kind of beat me from. Was that was that a lie? Should I should I bring uh, Mueller in here to uh, or Mueller <laughs> whatever? Well, I think I think that's the kind of part. Like she had a moral victory. Yeah. Well, look, she can take her moral victory to the bank. If you would like to bet money on beating me in bowling, I'll glad you take it. Away. I don't even need my ball. Anyways, Joe, have we, have we, have you got the teams in front of you? Let's pick the, the pick the five teams. At this point, nobody's listening, so this is literally just for us. Who are the next five teams? Can can I? I, I want to nominate a first team, Joe, before you even read the five. I nominate Germany. All right. I nominate Germany. I want Germany to be in the next no, five. No, we're not ready for Germany. <laughs> okay, I might veto this podcast. No, I'm filibustering. I'm fine, fine, fine. I fine, want Germany. Fine. Stop filibustering. Fine, I will allow Germany in our next five. But I want to say that it's going to be towards the end, and I want to figure out. How to get our German fans? I want to have a duel of the Germans. I want to figure out how to get. Fine, we got to. Germany has to be special. Them into the fifth position. No, okay, great. Okay, now I get to draft a team. Yeah, you get one. I want to talk about Egypt. That's a good one, Joe. 
All right. Well, if we're going back and forth here, let me pull up the, the betting odds. I mean, I already have a, a country in mind, but but I think you might pick it. We've already done all of those. We haven't done Belgium, have we? I want to do Belgium. That's great. Great pick, Dan. I pick Belgium. I pick Belgium. Okay. Okay. I am going to pick Colombia. <laughs> you monster. That's a, a monstrous pick. So this is actually going to be really fun for me. I am. I'm gleeful right now. I hope the fans at home are as gleeful as I am to pick this team, Joe. Because I know what team you want me to pick, Joe. And I know you are you are on your you are standing at attention as you were supposed to be during the Mexican national anthem, waiting for me to pick this team. But Joe, where you expect me to zig, I'm going to Yeah, I'm going to zig. I pick England, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's All fucking right. do it, baby. <laughs> All right. So there we go. Our next right. five are Egypt, Belgium, England, Colombia, and Germany. Wow. We've got some contenders there. We've got some very important countries to your heritage, as in African American American. This is exciting, Joe. I'm excited. And what's just, honestly, as an unedited podcast, I think this was probably okay. Yep. Yep. I think I think even if you had gone back to edit it, I think there's maybe a minute or two you would have edited out. I think it's perfect. Let's just can we just say for the fans for the for the for the fan emeritized and we'll send an email. We're let's do Egypt first. Let's do Egypt first so if you want to prioritize, get your Egypt research in. Yeah. Well, after the edited part, we'll we'll pick the order. But for now, Let's just end this good episode that we've done that's a post to over two hours, which is amazing. And this is fun, Joe. I love it. I'm just going to I'm going to post it tomorrow. I'm just going to copy it, turn it to an MP3 and post it. It's very exciting. And, and let's get to Spain. Oh. It's midnight, baby. Let's get to Spain. All right, Joe. Okay. See ya. See ya, Dan.